Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. With me is New England Baseball Journal editor Mike Z, who is responsible for recently putting out our most recent edition of New England Baseball Journal print edition. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Dan, great to be here. Great time of year to be thinking baseball, talking baseball. Really excited. Yeah, it's exciting to finally have teams playing again. It's been a long 12 months trying to string together coverage without much action. But yeah, it's really exciting. College baseball is back and high school and prep will be right behind it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fantastic time. It's, uh, you know, baseball's always been that sport that, you know, it, it is kind of just, you know, governed by the calendar, you know, and, and when we didn't have that last year, something really seemed off. You know, we didn't have the uh, the spring training and opening days that kind of signify the end of winter and the, the summer leagues that really reinforced that the season was here. So, you know, hoping for a, a more normal baseball season that we can really enjoy these uh, these milestones along the whole calendar year. Absolutely. And speaking of summer leagues, uh, today's guest, we're really excited to bring to you. It's not exactly breaking news because they released a schedule for the Cape Cod League uh, all the way back in November, but they're planning on sticking to that schedule. And Cape Cod League Commissioner Eric Zmuda is with us, and we're really looking forward to hearing what he has to say as we lead into the, uh, the spring season and then obviously the summer collegiate baseball season. Yeah, it should be a great interview. I really look forward to listening to that. That's something that, uh, you know, we definitely missed last year not having the Cape League season. Excited to have it back. Stick around because up next we have a great interview with Cape Cod League Commissioner Eric Smuda. Thanks for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. The winter edition of New England Baseball Journal is being shipped to subscribers and the digital edition is available at BaseballJournal.com. The cover story for this edition focuses on the top three pitching prospects heading into the 2021 MLB Draft. Wake Forest junior Ryan Cusick tops the list after spending the fall season in the Wake Forest pitching lab grooming his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. North Andover native Steve Hajar, a redshirt sophomore at the University of Michigan, could make a leap into the first round after making just four starts at the college level due to an ACL tear as a freshman and an early end to the 2020 season due to the pandemic. Virginia junior Mike Vassell could also boost his stock after an injury-plagued start to his college career. He was considered one of the top high school prospects in the nation out of BC High. Also in the winter edition, we have college previews for D1, D2, and D3 schools, we ranked all of the top teams and players. And we have prep and high school previews for all of the conferences around the New England region. Visit BaseballJournal.com to view any of those stories. I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Cape Cod League Commissioner Eric Zmuda. Eric, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, I'm excited. We saw an email go out. Uh, I'm on the Cape Cod League uh, newsletter, and mm -hmm. I saw an email go out uh, March 11th that said, you know, you're expecting to come back this year, and the schedule's all set. 
Uh, what do you expect the season to look like right now? Well, I'm sure everybody knows and everybody's gone through how it's going to be different than normal. And we hesitate to use those words normal these days, but we're going to try to make it as normal as possible. We're going to be very excited to have a, a full season. We're looking forward to any more updates from the state, local health officials, and uh, some of the good news we've gotten in the past couple of days from the federal level about how people will be more eligible coming into May for vaccinations. That'll help us as it comes to uh, planning for our COVID-19 policies and procedures. We have something in place now, and it's put in place as to what we expect for right now. But we hope that as more updates come forward, we can start to ease some of those restrictions as it comes to testing, you know, vaccination, any requirements or desires that we have for the players coming in, but also for our coaching staff, for our host families. We want to try to keep everybody as safe and as comfortable as possible and still try to get into that normalcy, hopefully, this year. It's coming at us rapidly, so we're just going to try to adjust as best we can and have our season and look forward to getting back onto the ball field in 21. That's great. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard the last podcast. I had Peter Gammons on, who, as you know, is a, a great ambassador for Cape Cod League Baseball. And he talked about kind of the personal loss he felt last summer when, when he wasn't able to go to games. Uh, what do you think it'll look like for fans? Do you have any sense? It's a little bit different than going to a major league stadium where you have people sitting together. But what do you think it'll look like? Well, as you've probably been down there, Dan, and Peter's probably mentioned to you too that, you know, the Cape League in and of itself is kind of that uh, Norman Rockwellian feel. It's just the fields are there. They're high school fields that we share with the, with the local communities. And we get them as uh, in shape as possible. We kind of get them A1. All 10 fields are the pristine condition we can put them into for our players because they deserve that. Our fans deserve to see that. And they can just line up and set their chairs and uh, sit on the picnic blankets and, and watch baseball and enjoy the Americana that is the Cape. And it's, it's amazing to see that. We won't see probably the 100% capacity that we wish for, but whatever we're going to be allowed to have with the social distancing and the masks still being required, I'm sure, whether you're vaccinated or not, you want to put them into place to feel comfortable to get back to that feeling of watching the game and enjoying just being at the field with your family. Yeah, absolutely. And you would think that would be easy enough to do for fans to kind of space out and still be able to take in uh, the great baseball that you always have on the Cape. Um, in terms of the players, we know that it's it's the best summer league baseball experience for college players. And it's some of the guys that, you know, end up getting drafted in the first round and end up playing. We There's a long list of guys who have gone on to play professionally. Have you had um, any change or do you anticipate any change to the, the, I guess, the geography of where players are coming from this year because you're staying with host families? Do you expect it to be more New England players? We have been waiting for basically two years now to have these players back to the Cape. We couldn't play in 2020, and uh, we were happy to see that some teams uh, could have some games in different areas of the, of the country, so some of the players were able to get that experience uh, that they weren't able to have last spring in 2020 from their colleges. But now that we have some uh, real baseball happening for not only college, but pros getting back to that normal schedule, we have uh, a long list of players that have been waiting for those couple of years to get to the Cape. And it will be very competitive this year, I think. You'll have that geography probably not change for at least a year or so. As we progress forward into 22 and 2023, you might see a little different variation because, as you know, you have a few different leagues coming into play. You have the Appalachian League that is going to be for uh, 
incoming freshmen and sophomores and players that are working their way through. You have the Cape League that would probably fit right into that mold for players that are sophomores, juniors, rising juniors is kind of our wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that don't's probably going to stay in the status quo, as it were. And then yeah. you have the MLB Draft League, which would probably be that step above and after they play in the Cape League because you have draft-eligible players, seniors that are looking for that draft uh, stock. So if they've played in the Cape, they might come back to the Cape, or they may move on to that MLB Draft League because it's that natural progression. Mm -hmm. So if the player is great enough, which will happen in some cases, that they might bypass the Appy League and go to the Cape League instead because they want to showcase. We're very blessed with having the scouts from across the country, from all of the major league teams, come and watch us. We're a great geographical location that they can see multiple games in a day even mm -hmm. and see a few games in that week they may be on the Cape. Uh, explore the atmosphere, enjoy the Cape for what it is, but really get to those games and enjoy some of that pregame, some of the batting practice, some of the you know, infield, outfield, BP, uh, warm-ups, and then to the game itself. So they're looking for that starting pitcher. They're looking for that star player, you know, that uh, corner outfielder, and, and, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So the Cape is very unique in that aspect. We're happy to have that. We're blessed to have the players come to see the scouts and the, and the coaches try to get them to progress and be prepared for their future careers. Mm -hmm. So that geographical uh, sense probably won't change for a while. And as these other leagues get more solidified, you'll see probably, like I said earlier, that natural progression of the players getting the chance to further their career and further their experience to get ready for the Major League Baseball draft and hopefully their Major League careers. Yeah, I had uh, Peter Flaherty on the podcast a couple of months ago. He's a MLB liaison for Katuit, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, what can you share with us the process? Say you're a, a guy, like you mentioned, going into your sophomore, junior year, you want to play on the Cape. What is the process of getting selected? How do, how do you earn a, an offer? Well, you have, uh, like I said, a lot of the coaches are here in the Cape and have been around for a while, so they've developed a lot of those connections. Yeah. You have uh, some assistant coaches. I was happy to be uh, the Falmouth GM for half dozen uh, years, and to be involved with that, I'm more of that, talking about your wheelhouse, <laughs> my wheelhouse is administration. Yeah. They have a coach in Falmouth, Coach Trundy, has been around for 20-plus years, so He's developed some deep roots nationwide. He'll have assistant coaches that have moved on to different atmospheres, but he's developed those roots with them. And wherever they go to, you have that relationship that's, listen, hey, I got a guy for you, coach. You know, mm -hmm. I got somebody that I know is going to be a, a stud for you coming up, and I think you should keep an eye on him and put him on your list. And those coaches move on to different colleges and – those coaches introduce the head coach to Coach Trundy, for example, and and you have that same happening throughout all of the teams. You have uh, Coach Shapiro in Bourne, you have Coach Robertson in Tuit, Coach Pickler uh, in in YD, and on and on and on. Shivik, Holiday, everybody. So these guys have these relationships nationwide, and that's how they build their rosters year in and year out. Now, your experience with the Cape League, you mentioned you were a GM before mm -hmm. commissioner. You were also a host family. How did Stone. What is that experience? Because I saw on your website that you're um, you're looking for people who are interested in hosting. Hmm. What was that experience like, and what what?
can people expect who, who commit to doing that? That's a, a, a department that I, I'm still very passionate about because we are still a host family. We host for our Falmouth players still. We got involved uh, uh, from 2009 going into 2010. I get home from work one day. My wife says, hey, guess what we're doing? I said, oh, I don't, you know, going on a trip. She goes, no, we're going to refinish the basement. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. We can have like, you know, some kind of a, you know, place to, you know, rumpus room or are we going to have like crafts or we're going to put, the, no, we're going to put ball players. What? <laughs> I, I, what are you talking about? So, you know, we want our son to be a bat boy. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So I talked to the people involved with the family Commodores and, and they said, you know, if we want our son to be a bat boy, it'd be really cool that maybe we could get him higher on the list if we, you know, commit to being a host family. Um, she was being reeled in like a fish. You yeah. know, we always need host families. We always need uh, bat boys and bat girls for the uh, for the program. So we <laughs> she was really just kind of reeled in, but then excited because we can be connected that way with our community, get the ball player in from out, out of town, and just get, kind of get an experience. Maybe we can get, like, this exciting college player, and he'll be a pro sometime. That's a very, actually, turns out to be a small sliver of it. Because the first player we had was a kid out of Miami, uh, Victor Gomez. He was a temp player, came in for about a week or so. Became a part of the family in less than 12 hours. You know, our daughter was very little at the time. Uh, she never saw him. She would go to sleep before he came home from the field. He would be sleeping in when she would get up and go to school. She was in elementary school back at the time. And they would write little notes to each other. Uh, and she got connected that way with him. She saw him sometimes at dinner once or twice if that, you know, opportunity pulled up, but she barely saw him if ever. My son got to know him very well. We got to know him very well. My wife started talking to his mom. You know, what does he like? What does he mean? He became part of the family so fast. He left that week later, uh, got me a Father's Day gift. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, oh, man, this is, I don't know, this will be, how can you top that? Yeah. We're, we're, it was, we're so upset that he's leaving. You know, it really was like a like heart-wrenching experience. Like, why are you live with your, you're our, you're our family. But we stay in touch with him still. I, you know, my wife gets Christmas cards from him, from his mom still, and uh, talked to him once in a long while. You got a social media connection. <laughs> and then we had uh, more ball players that year. And uh, just every single one of them, you know, we have, uh, we've been to some, uh, players' weddings. We have, as my wife uh, terms it, host grandbabies now. So it's just the players that we've had probably, whether it's 10 players, permanent players, in and out, you know, for the, for the season, we've had probably about uh, 20, 25, 26 different kids in and out of our house wow. in the past 10 years. Uh, and we've enjoyed every single one of them. They, they are incredible players, incredible people. Yeah. And the commitment that they put forth we are there to help them become comfortable, enjoy their time in the Cape, enjoy our family, enjoy the experience, and just focus on playing baseball. This is their last chance to really just relax, play the game, and get that experience and get the comfort level if they want to work on something, whether it's, you know, a different swing, you know, or, you know, maybe I'll get a, an out pitch or something I didn't have in college or something. But that's part of the experience. The rest is just being with the host family, relaxing, enjoying your time off with them, going to the beach, going uh, on the ferry over to the vineyard, just relaxing out in the backyard. Huh. Just something to really connect. And we've had that uh, blessing. Like I said, we have our daughter, our son, who's now uh, graduated from college. He lives up in Maine. And the experience that they had with these players, they're all part of the family still. And we look forward to having more family members join us as the years come. Our daughter is a senior in high school now. And, you know, she's talked about, you know, I can call these players up. I can talk to them on social media. I can ask them about, hey, what do you think about this uh, region? What do you think about this school and that school? She's picking her colleges right now. She's about eight or nine different acceptances, and she's kind of running through them. You know, what about this atmosphere? What do you think about that? So 
that's just part of it, but that's part of that family experience. She's yeah. not talking to them about baseball anymore. She's talking to them about life. Yeah. You know, because that's 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 her that's her summer brother. Yeah. And they are that that important to us. And we need host families for the Cape every year. You know, they they talked to my wife and got her involved and and we did not realize how much we would enjoy that portion of it, that that department like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else came after and you'll find this story probably repeated throughout the Cape League. Everybody gets involved in some way, whether they volunteer, whether they become a host parent, whether they become just, you know, somebody who's taking some tickets at the gate, which we don't do tickets. It's just giving them, you know, some paperwork. Here's the schedule for the uh, next week. Here's our batting uh, lineup for today. And, uh, oh, here's our yearbook. Thank you very much. And it's all donations at the gate. Mm-hmm. So those people come to volunteer and do something like that because they want to see the people come and enjoy the game. That's what they enjoy. And then all of a sudden, you know, I had the GM come up to me uh, a couple of years in and say, hey, you want to help me with some uh, paperwork in the offseason? I didn't realize that was assistant GM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little naive of me, too. <laughs> but we got involved. We got excited about it. My wife's a board member for the Commodores uh, board right now. And I was from there. I've moved on to the league level. And like I said, that story is repeated on and on. No matter what franchise you talk about, you'll find those similar stories from anybody. Paul Gallup, the uh, commissioner before me, same thing. He and his wife were involved with the Chatham uh, organization for many years, and he moved on to that league level. And they're still involved with merchandise now for the league level. Wow. So it's amazing how you stay involved throughout the, the years and the decades. That's interesting because you think about the Cape League as, uh, you know, it's these players who are just at the peak of their poly- college experience. They go and they, they want to go and they want to compete against the best college players in the country. So they go down to the Cape and you think of it as development. You know, they're probably lifting. They're working on their their out pitches, like you said. Or, you it know, is, yes. At, but uh, I hadn't thought of the part that you mentioned with the host families and, you know, the, the time that you're away from the field and you're going to the beach and you're establishing those relationships, too. I've always wondered, because I, I have a family member who lives on the Cape, and he said he bumps into Cape League players all the time at the convenience store, sees them around. Uh, what is a day in the life of a Cape League player like in terms of training and then free time? Well, like I said, you know, they're playing games day in and day out, but as well they have their families that they're living with, and some of them, you know, it's the first time they've had an extended time away from their families because they'll go home in the summer or maybe they'll do some summer ball, but they're around home if they're not at school. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that they're away and they get the experience to be with another family. Once they get comfortable with that, and almost all of them do very quickly, they move on to needing jobs sometimes. And, and that's changed over the years, too. And we got involved in 2010. There were the bulk of the players needed jobs and wanted to make a little bit of money in that off time. So they would work either early morning. Uh, a handful probably worked at some of the golf courses doing some maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those persevered and did the whole season some of them realized i'm getting up way too early (laughs) some of them end up working at uh the convenience store you know making sandwiches at the deli for a little bit in midday yeah and then uh doing some cleaning up uh you have some stories uh john farrell uh back in the day when he was on the cape Mm -hmm. i heard a story from him one time when he came down to do a hot stove for the uh, falmouth organization about his time with the hyannis mets at the time now harbor hawks he was uh working on a roof all summer long right around Hyannisport. So he kind of got to, you know, watch the Kennedy compound. Wow. <laughs> and then he would go to the field. And uh, the rest of the time for a player is getting to that field early, maybe working on a swing in the batting cage, maybe working on a, a pitch with a pitching coach. And then they just go right into their uh, practice, whether it's going to be home game that day or you get on the bus and go to the away field and you do your, like I said, once you get to the field, you're doing your BP, you're doing your in and outs, you're doing your warm-ups, 
doing the long toss if you're the pitcher, and then right into a game. Mm -hmm. And then repeat process, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. It's just the same thing every day. But that off time is very important for them, whether they're going to do a little bit of work. The bulk of them now, uh, maybe not outside jobs so much, but they do a lot of work at the field, whether it's field work, preparing the field each day, doing maintenance work. They work at the field and, and get a, 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 a stipend from the team for doing something like that. Or a very important part of all 10 organizations are our clinics that we have uh, four or five times a week, every week. That's going to be done this year on all 10 teams. But again, until we get back to some more normalcy, there's going to be probably more pods of players playing, the kids coming in on a week, uh, enjoying one player instead of maybe four, five, or six players because we want to be as safe as possible. But those clinics offer these small kids to come in, get that experience with a college player, the players are getting the experience of the job, but they're also teaching at the same time. So as much as they're learning, they're showing the next generation what they've learned already and what they're looking forward to. Hmm. And those kids I've talked to, well, my daughter was very young at the time, like I said, when she got involved. My son was little when he was a bat boy. Look up to these players, yeah. almost to a man. And it's amazing uh, to watch these kids. We won't be able to do... Uh, a lot of things this year, and one of the things I like to see, uh, for example, after a game like the autograph sessions. Yeah. And uh, the players just line up and sit down on that whole side, and you watch the kids come onto the field or, or through the dugout or wherever they're lined up and, and meet each player and talk to them and get the, the, you know, the little memorabilia signed and move on. And, and, and looking at their faces, it's like, wow, these kids are you know, meeting their stars, meeting their heroes. Yeah. Now, the other side, the college players are like, oh, I just, I, I kind of want to do this. But they get into it, too. They really like, all right, this kid, all right, what, what would you like me to write this? Yeah. So it's kind of their first experience of that fan interaction uh, on a personal level, too. Yeah. And that's what the Cape has to offer. I'm sure a lot of colleges and a lot of uh, you know, collegiate leagues probably do that every year. But the Cape, I think, is unique in that aspect because you have that, but like I said earlier, that home feel. Yeah. And the, and the kids get to relax and enjoy the game, still get those experiences and and build on that for their futures too yeah that's a a good takeaway that um last year when we announced the the news that the cape was not going to have the season that was the the overwhelming feedback that we got from everybody is like oh it's such an intimate experience down there and you foster these relationships between kids and players that you don't see you know you don't see that at the professional level and i think it is because it's uh you know, people aren't, they don't have to buy a ticket. They're going to games, they're making donations. You're right up on the field. You're establishing those relationships. And now, you know, I didn't know about the clinics or anything else. It seems like it's a very intentional, let's really bring something to this community that, um, you know, everybody rallies around. And we want to be as part of the communities as possible, as, as much as we can, whether it's the clinics, whether we do our scholarships uh, for the high school graduates, you know, the kids coming out of, uh, high school moving on to the next step, uh, they, they they vary year to year, no matter what organization you're looking at. They'll do anywhere from 100 to 200 to 500 to 1,000, depending upon what we can afford on each organization's level. Because as you know, not only the league is nonprofit, but all 10 organizations are nonprofit. So they just solely rely on, as I mentioned earlier, the donations at the gate, the donations of people in the offseason sending something to the team to help support them and get ready for the next season. Our sponsorships are very important to us mm -hmm. on the local level, the regional level, and hopefully at some point, you know, the national level as well. Mm -hmm. um, we have our PR director, Ben Brink, here. Ben works very hard to uh, kind of support the league and work towards the relationships with the communities. Um, our corporate development director, Bill Boussier, does the same thing for the CAPE for the sponsors because with these sponsors are committed to each team and to the league, 
you want them to get as much out of it as possible as well, whether it's coming to the field for maybe a sponsored day, uh, throw out the first pitch, uh, maybe just kind of uh, have the foul ball sponsored by them. You know, you hear that at the field all the time. Mm -hmm. But we want them to be exposed and get that exposure for themselves and to the Cape League. Mm -hmm. And that relationship becomes very symbiotic. So a lot of these regional sponsors are on the Cape League level, but you have local sponsors, which would be anywhere from your mom and pop, you know, sub store to your insurance agents. And, and I don't want to forget anybody, you know, motels, hotels, on and on. Restaurants are very important. Yeah. There are some of the teams, uh, the Harbor Hawks, for example, the Gateman, I can think of those two. And I'm sure there are others where the restaurants will sponsor after team meals. And just bring the meals in, whether they can be there themselves or not. They want the players to get that connection in the community, and it's just, it's 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 a nice carousel because when they get involved with the community, we get involved with the community. When yep. the community gets involved with us, and on and on and on. So it's very nice to have that local connection and keep that local connection moving forward. Ben's a very important part of that. Bill is, and uh, all ten organizations with their uh, officers staying in touch with the local community to let them know that we're here and for last year how much we missed them and we're looking forward to seeing them back this summer sure yeah i bet and the um one of the other things about the cape for those who have been down there uh you know obviously those relationships kind of jump out when you go to a game the other thing uh is the scouting you know that you anytime you look behind home plate it's just radar guns trading on the pitchers and these guys are the the top college players that are getting scouted what and you've you've seen it from the GM perspective. Mm. You've seen it, um, you know, from every perspective there is. What is the what is the uh, how would you describe the way players are scouted and the interaction that you have with scouts to try to you know help players? The scouts will come in for different capacities. Some will come in whether they're regional scouts, area scouts, cross checkers, what have you, and they all come in and they're looking for either the team to scout for a few days maybe find a diamond in the rough, maybe somebody they, they you know, uncover on their own, mm -hmm. or they're targeting that, you know, that one exciting player. You know, you got Steve here from Andover. He's with Michigan, so right. he's doing pretty well for, for, for the big blue there, and then he's going to come to the Cape or go to another league, and they're going to try to follow him in particular maybe put that gun on him for that, uh, that, that important strikeout at the end of the inning or something. And yeah. uh, it's interesting to see, as, as, and you've probably seen some you know, sizzle reels or a documentary where they're training a camera on that backstop and you have a whole row of scouts. And as soon as that pitch gets ready, the guns just come up like, you know, boom, it's like the old West. Hey, there's like 20 of them in a row. Right. Pretty amazing. But they're all looking for that extra information that they can gather disseminate to their organization and see, you know, how this player is doing, how he's developing, how he's going to be maybe a fit for our organization, if he's going to be able to be available to us in a certain draft spot. Yeah. And same thing for a player running down to first on, on, on an infield single. Uh, player coming home from a, from a sacrifice fly. You know, they're watching all of that stuff. But more importantly, and as I mentioned, that community, the, the scouts know a lot of this information already. Maybe they're gathering some progression that the player's taken. But more importantly, they watch these players off the field, too. Yeah. They watch them in the dugout. They watch them interact with their, with their friends, with their teammates. They watch them off the field interact with those fans I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. They talk to host families, and they ask them, how does a kid do at home? How mm -hmm. is he doing? They want to know about the player's personality, how he interacts, how he's reacted to being away from home, to mm -hmm. being in a new atmosphere, to being away from the norm. And more times than not, they take that away 
and add that to their information and see how much the player is going to be a fit for their organization. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't see that. You see the Wild West guns in the backstop. You see the you see the guy over in the corner with the stopwatch. That's very important and a big part of it. We've expanded on that uh, with some of the digital information available. Synergy is very important to us, but all of these uh, new information on the digital side yeah. is very important. We have that for all of the scouts, whether they can make it to the Cape or not. But again, going back to all of that, put that aside. Very important piece of the puzzle, but that last piece is what they're looking for more times than not, you find out, from being a GM, from being a host dad, and watching the scouts and listening to them and them asking you questions over the years. Yeah. Well, how about this guy? Uh, what did you guys do last week? Well, he had went uh, three for four. Well, that's great. I watched all that. But did you guys go anywhere? Did you do anything? Did you, did you stay at home? Did you guys go out to a restaurant? What did you do? Yeah. And that's the questions they ask, and that's the stuff they write down and take away, too. Yeah. So it's nice to see that development. And... Uh, you had a, a player, uh, Max Toriani, from Bentley University right. two years ago. Yeah. Uh, temp player for Orleans came in. Yeah. And I saw a couple of scouts watching him, and, and Max just goes about his day, and he was warming up, and he's just you know, taking BP, and he's just doing well in the field. And, and if you look at his stats, he outperformed anything. He earned a permanent spot on the Firebirds roster, and he became one of the finalists for most valuable player for the league that season. Mm-hmm. and he opened up the eyes. But as important, watching him off the field. I saw him a couple of times in Orleans, but I talked to a couple of scouts over the time too and how much they were impressed by his demeanor yeah. and his reactions and interactions with fans and people around the field. So something like that I, I encourage and I, and, I, and I support and I hope Max is going to just keep doing well. I, it slips my mind where he's gone on a postgraduate, but I, I just saw an article the other day, a uh, quick little blurb about how well Max did in the game for that team. I wish I could remember the name of the team right now. It's it's escaped me. Yeah. Uh, is he at Sacred Heart? No, no, no. No, no. Not, somewhere in Carolina, I think, maybe. But oh, okay. I could be wrong. Yeah. But, um, again, he's doing well at that level, too. And I think yeah. he'll – somebody like Max or Max himself – is going to have that success because he has that well-rounded experience of the Cape and for himself, too. He's a very mature young man, and I, I, I look forward to seeing many more examples of that you know, in seasons to come for the Cape. Yeah. I'll, I know you have a lot of other questions, but it's been in my mind, and, and I've only told a couple of people this, but I'll tell you very, very personal, Dan. Okay. I've been disconnected with the Cape and with the baseball because of our cancellation last year. I've done a lot of that admin stuff because I stayed in my wheelhouse, you know, but I've become more insular and I'm like, ah, it's just, but I'm very encouraged this year with some of the positive uh, updates we've had uh, with some of the meetings that we've had on the Cape level. There's still a lot of debate going on about how we're going to keep everybody safe and, and happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, money is a big issue as it always is for nonprofits. Sure. We're very uh, concerned about the cost of certain things. What can we do? What, you know, how are we going to do this? What can we do with that? And those discussions are ongoing, but we want to get back to the field, get back to baseball. And that, that first crack of the bat, Dan, as soon as I sit on the field, as soon as I'm standing behind there, socially distanced, of course, <laughs> and being safe but watching the game. Because baseball is one of the most probably the safest sports we can play in, this, in today's environment. Yeah. You don't have that close connection too often. And when we do, I'm sure the players will have to wear their masks when they need to, things like that. But mm-hmm. being at the field, hearing that crack of the bat, hearing that pop in the glove, 
as soon as that kid's hitting like 95, 98, 99, and it just blows by the batter and just pop right now, oh, man, I'm telling you, just that feeling alone is what I miss. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. That disconnection was discouraging, but uh, I've had a lot of support from my family, a lot of support from the Cape League organization, and everybody's just trying to support each other and get through this time. So it's, uh, it's been very nice to have that. It's been difficult personally. Yeah. But I'm very happy that we've gone through a tough time together and getting back to eh, some normalcy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, but I hope so very soon. Yeah, no, I hopefully you, you, we're only a couple of months away from hearing that crack of the yeah, bat that you talked absolutely. about. You made some really great points there in terms of um, from a, a scouting perspective. Uh, you know, you do hear scouts like, what you know, I talk to them all the time and they're, you know, what is this kid what is he doing after games? What, how does he interact with teammates? And that is an important part. They want to know about the character because they see what you see on the field, but they want to know what you're seeing that they don't see behind the scenes. So that was a great point. And I think the Cape is such a or the Cape League is such a great indicator of how these players will do as professionals because it is the first time they're living away from home. They're in charge of their own diet. Mom and dad aren't around. It's like you know, there's they're living with host families, but the rules aren't the same as they might be at home. And are these guys going to be disciplined while they're competing against the best players and really take advantage of that opportunity? It was a great point. Uh, I was on your uh, the Cape Cod League's website, and you and you did a battle of franchises and kind of all-time Cape League and some really fun stuff here in the last few months. And it's just, when you look at those names, the guys that have come through the Cape League, it's just remarkable. You know, you got Nomar Garcia-Parra and Frank Thomas and Carlton Fisk and all those guys. Who are some of uh, your favorite players to watch over your years following the Cape League? Mm, there's quite a quite a lot, um, and I and I am gonna dismiss some names only because being the host dad, that bias is always coming into play. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've had some fantastic players come through the Falmouth organization, but through our house alone. Uh, Kevin Crone, um, you know, you see Jay Crone, for example, he played yeah. in the Cape League before Kevin. Sure. Kevin stayed at our house. Uh, he was a TCU guy. Very, very big fella, but very kind, very friendly, very caring, and uh, very passionate about his game. You know, he was in the uh, Diamondbacks organization, came up on the major league level as well, and uh, now I do believe he's in Japan this year. Okay. Um, but to watch him play has always been a joy. Um, many, many others. Um, Kyle Zimmerman, uh, a kid from uh, Wayne State, just a very, very wonderful player, a good pitcher, um, is no longer in baseball. You know, he's, he's, you know, upper Michigan right now, living with a family, raising his kids, and, and just um, a joy to watch him play, but enjoy to see him as a person as well. Uh, more recently, uh, from Texas A&M, Zach DeLoach came in in 2019. Mm -hmm. And everybody, if you read a bunch of his stories, he talked about it, had a you know, tough time at college, he had a tough year, he came in, and but... I think we were a small part of that as a host family, but that comfort level got him to go to the field and do a hard reset. He sat in the batting cage with our, you know, with one of our assistant coaches in Falmouth, and worked through uh, just you know a little change in in the swing and, and you know how he approached the at bat. Then all of a sudden, boom, he took off. And now he's uh, in the uh, Seattle Mariners organization. He's doing really well there. Hmm. I know last year he got to play a tiny bit, but it was tough, and then he couldn't play. But he's working forward, and and I can give you many, many names, many, many players, but it's more of that experience of watching the player and how well they do. And that's repeated through all 10 organizations. Um, 
Dusty Baker's uh, son was with Wareham a couple years ago. I enjoyed watching him on the field, how quick he he reacted to many parts of the game, but I saw him off the field a couple of times too. I talked about Max Troiani. Those, those types of players I really enjoy, whether they're nationally known or like a local diamond in the rough that works their way through. Yeah. Uh, talking about Kyle, like I said, same thing. You know, a kid from Wayne State. You know, well, big deal. Yeah. No, it was a big deal because he got to go to the Cape. He got to have the experience. Whether he's still in baseball or not, he did really well. Uh, not just in my eyes, but a lot of scouts thought he did really well too. Yeah. And sometimes it works out. Usually it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So you see a lot of these players work their way through uh, and then just how they end up living their life. And the Cape League was part of that experience to help them get ready for the next step, whatever the next step is. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be with a major league career. Sometimes it's not. Uh, we have uh, a player from uh, Dallas Baptist, uh, Matt Deuce, great kid, great catcher, great hitter, uh, out of baseball. Huh. You know, um, Justin Hoyt from uh, Jacksonville State, great kid uh, from Alabama, is a great kid from Alabama, now out of baseball. But all these kids, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my host kids, you know, our, our family, our boys. Yeah. Um, but to see someone like Kevin do so well and, and proceed through that, to see a lot of these players work through there, uh, I just have that personal connection. So it's tough for me to say, oh, I'm watching that guy. Yeah. But you have Reese Hoskins. You know, he played for Falmouth a few years back. Now he's, you know, starring for the Phillies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You have, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, just on and on and on. You have Kevin Newman yeah. with the Pirates organization. Fantastic middle infielder and a great guy. You know, he's actually uh, just been inducted to our Hall of Fame. He's going to be part of the 2020 class that will induct in 2021 because we couldn't have it last year. Right, yeah. Thanks for reminding me, Dan. No. <laughs> but, 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 you know, guys like Reese, guys like uh, Kevin Newman, fantastic guys, but great players as well. Yeah. So for my time, I think I would put those guys near the top of the list, but I'm always going to continue going back to that host family and talk about Zimmerman and talk about Deuce and talk about Hoyt and talk about all these other guys and talk about Zach sure. uh, that's doing well and you know, talk about Crone. It's just they're all amazing guys and yeah. I'm glad that they're part of our family. Yeah. But more expandedly, you have the whole Cape family too. Was you know once a you know this is what I have said when I was the GM. You know once a door always a door. You know you're part of the Commodores organization, but once you've been in the Cape, you're always part of the Cape. Yeah. Once you've been in the Cape League, you are the Cape League no matter where you go. Yeah, and a lot of these guys you've probably read about too, or, and how much they talk about their time on the Cape, and what they remember, and probably one of their fondest memories of their lifetime was that summer on yeah. the Cape. I was actually reading a story uh, yesterday about Kyler Murray, uh, who's you know Arizona Cardinals quarterback now. Harwich, Harwich man. Yeah, he was a great yeah. um, he was a great player on the Cape too. Now you had mentioned an adjustment a player made to his hands, and mm-hmm. then you know really went cu- kind of caught fire that summer. And I know you've done some coaching at at least the little league level. Um, little league into Babe Ruth. Yeah, uh, I I had a, a an assistant coaching position in a couple of different spots, and a great uh, coaching staff at all levels to make me feel like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> but the most uh, I think favorite memory was on that very beginning little league level, and just going through the basics with a kid. Uh, okay, this is how you stand on the mound. Yeah. No, put your foot here. No, when you move, you point your foot towards the plate. Oh, <laughs> and to see the, well, that's repeated in the clinics with our college players with the kids. When they teach the kid a certain stance, when they show the kid the right way to grab, grasp, 
Yeah, to grab the ball and hold the ball and grip the ball a certain way and throw it with the follow-through. Yeah. And to see the sudden improvement, that's what I felt as an assistant coach briefly on that little league level. Like, hey, I do know what I'm doing a little bit. This is kind of cool. Uh, that coincided a lot with my son moving through, you know, Pony League, Little League, Babe Ruth. Uh, so I was able to follow him in his career too, you know, catcher first base from really good kid, really good player. I thought he had a chance too. Maybe as a dad I was a little biased. I don't know. But – you know, he went into uh, high school ball, but went more towards football than baseball after a couple of seasons. Okay. Um, but that same experience with my son, I get to watch now as an administrative guy back to my wheelhouse and watch our coaching staffs on all 10 teams help these players out, show them a certain way, help them improve, get them ready for that next step. Yeah. Get at that experience. Absolutely. So it, it was nice to see that. But again, like I said, you know, coming from, you know, administrative, that that really was out of, out of high school. I went in the military for a few years, did some administrative uh, specialist activities there, clerk typist, that type of thing. And uh, having that base to work off of and then be able to do that little assistant coaching in those, in those uh, younger ranks and bring it all together with a Cape League, I can offer – all kinds of wisdom in certain areas and more wisdom in others. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the last question I wanted to ask, uh, just kind of a fun question. Um, well, I was thinking about this when I was interviewing Peter Gammons, and he was talking about going to Cape League games. You must, you know, if you love baseball and you're on the Cape, you probably get yourself to a game. Who are, who have, or some of the people you've been most surprised to see attend a game as a fan? It's always interesting to see uh, – some of the people come nationally, like Pompey, like, like, like I said, you know, is that Dusty Baker? Is he one? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Mike Yastrzemski played for the Cataliers, and there's Carlos Yastrzemski over in the outfield. You know, staying out of the way, but I'm like, yeah, that is that is Gaz. Yeah. That was my favorite player growing up in the 70s. You yeah. know, just to see what he did day in and day out uh, and how he worked so hard in the Red Sox organization and, and became a great outfielder, great player, great hitter. Um, Yaz is, was and still is my favorite player. You yeah, know, probably because he's a little Polish in me as a Zamuda. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that connection worked through baseball. But how he went about how he did it and watching the next generation, watching Mike. Uh, same thing with Dusty watching Darren. Uh, same thing with uh, Kevin coming in with his brother CJ. We, we were after CJ was with, I think, with Katuit. But knowing that, uh, you know, all these players come in and they have either a parent or a brother, older brother or somebody that – had that same experience, usually with a cape, sometimes not, but they come in and enjoy the time watching that, like I said in the beginning of the interview, that little bit of Americana, just a relaxed atmosphere where there's no pressure, they can enjoy the game, don't feel like somebody has to come up and, and bother them, and you see that a few different times. You know, I've, I've, I've seen and met Peter Gammons a few different times at the field, and, and so many people... Oh my gosh, it's Peter Gammons. Well, go say hi to him. Yeah, I mean, don't bother the man. He's trying to enjoy the game, but you can say hi. He enjoys talking to people and saying hello. Yeah, um, I think I've enjoyed seeing him. One of the most of all, enjoy the Cape, and enjoy the interactions. He knows Coach Trundy very well from Falmouth and uh, Coach Shapiro and Bourne and, and many others and Roberts Pickler as well. These guys have been around for a while, yeah. so he enjoys the interactions with them. Sometimes before the game, he'll go there for BP and. And be able to stand behind the turtle and watch the guys at the home plate go through their, go through their pods and, and do their little hitting cycles. Uh, but he's more interacting with the players a little bit, but talking to the coaches and just relaxed atmosphere and getting information. But that personal relationship he has because he's been in the Cape for so long. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I would say there's many that I like, but going back to Peter, and maybe that's by default from your suggestion subconsciously, but he's a he's a great example. Yeah, yeah, he is. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. I, it, you can tell how passionate you are, and I can hear it in your voice. And I hope uh, I can't wait to hear the first crack of the bat in two months too. But Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. Firecracker Sports offers the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all of your baseball or softball needs with Firecracker Sports, player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time, effort, and money by getting all of your events, college resources, and customer attention in one place every season. Visit firecrackersports.com to visit the home of Showcase Baseball and Softball. Wow, that's, uh, that's great stuff from Eric there. What a, what a great interview and, and what a great tease ahead to the summer uh, that, that we're going to have with the Cape Cod League. You know, Dan, what, what, what do you, what's your biggest takeaway from, from the stuff you guys talked about? My biggest takeaway, I would say, when you think of the Cape Cod League, at least from a scouting perspective, you think of the quality of prospects and how many guys have gone on to play professionally after their experience on the Cape. But what uh, Eric really touched on as commissioner of the league, a former host family and a former GM, is the relationships that the players form and how much uh, how close they get to w be with little kids who serve as bat boys or stick around for autograph sessions or take part in their clinics. And you don't always think about those relationships, but when you hear fans who have been to visit games on the Cape or attend games on the Cape, that is something that they all describe. You hear about the intimate uh, environment where players and fans can come together and kind of really experience the, uh, the summer league baseball together. And I know you, you've actually been down there and covered it for us for a few days at a time. What was your experience like? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you said. It's, it's, a, it's a setting for, not just a setting for top prospects, but to have so many prospects in, in just a condensed area where, you know, scouts and fans can, can drive and see, you know, several on, on one night or, or during maybe a family vacation during a week, you can see everybody. It's just, it's a great atmosphere for baseball beyond just the talent of baseball. I mean, it, the, the tradition, the memories, it makes you think of your family vacations when you're kids, you know, your, your, your walks on the beach with a girlfriend in Wellfleet, you know, playing catch with your son. It, it just all seems to come together in the Cape League. And that was one thing that was really missing uh, a year ago. I'm glad we have it back. Yeah, he described it as a feeling of Americana when you're sitting there, you know, having a picnic, watching the game. And we know they don't charge admission for tickets. It's all it's all, um, you know, fundraising volunteer. You can you can decide to give a donation if you want. But you go down there and you're watching great baseball and, you know, you can get in for free. And it's just amazing how it all works out. One of the things that uh, he talked about. Uh, Eric talked about was when when you have these great players who have passed through Nomar Garcia Parra and Frank Thomas and Carlton Fisk uh, you would think those are the guys that he he remembers uh, seeing playing on the Cape but he talked about the guys who lived in his house you know those are the guys that helped to form relationship with his kids and he'll always follow them and be grateful for that experience and I think the Cape League 
uh, is just something that's coming back this summer. Another reason to be so excited to be in New England and following baseball at this time of year. Yeah, I know as a, as a, as a journalist, as a reporter, as an assignment, I was always angling for, uh, you know, whenever the situation arose, whenever we had, you know, prospects from our coverage area, you know, playing down there, I'd, uh, you know, find a way to spend a few days on the Cape and, and spend some time with each of them and talk to their managers, uh, you know, see some games. Uh, it was always a highlight of the summer. Dan, it sounds like we have a really interesting guest uh, lined up for the next episode of this podcast, a guy who's been a, a friend to the baseball journal uh, over the years. Absolutely. The next edition is the guest is going to be Matt Petherick, Milton Academy baseball coach. He's been there for 13 years, so he can compare how the last year has gone in comparison to the previous 12 during a pandemic. And then also Matt has four uh, college commits this year, three at the division one level. He's got a BC commit. He has a Harvard commit as well as a Northeastern one. So he can tell us what those players have been doing to try to get recruited and boost their stock in the last year. And speaking of our coverage, we know that you can find any of these stories on baseballjournal.com. Our most recent edition is the winter edition, and we're starting to plan for the spring as well. We're gonna be doing a lot of prep coverage in this next issue, and maybe even taking a look forward at the Cape League. What, what can readers expect in our next issue of New England Baseball Journal? Yeah, very proud of how the winter issue turned out, uh, you know, with our extensive uh, college preview, Division One, Two, and Three. A lot of those teams we profiled and those athletes that we profiled are, are have their seasons underway uh, that we're excited to see. Uh, focus of the spring issue, we're going to turn it more toward the prep schools and the high schools in the region. Um, a lot of great stories to tell out there, especially for athletes and teams that did not get a chance to get on the field last year in any meaningful capacity. So that's really going to be the focus of the spring issue. It's coming together nicely right now. Also going to be a great college presence. Major League Baseball, New England uh, will run the active box of all the uh, athletes and players from this region who have gone on to reach the big leagues. So we're very excited about what this next issue is going to bring. Yeah, and it's exciting. And we know that all of those stories are always available, uh, along with being, uh, in addition to being in print, those uh, stories are all available on baseballjournal.com. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and any of your preferred platforms. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball to find any of those stories as they're posted. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media podcast. <laughs>